so as I had already mentioned to you, Joe, I plan very little in advance for these conversations, but I find that it generates a much healthier discussion than having like this big list of things because you start to create expectations of what Mm -hmm. the conversation could be because when you write down a question, you start assuming in your head that you already know what the answer is going to be or maybe Mm -hmm. you have an expectation of what the answer could be and then you start getting expectations for the conversation as a whole. And you really shouldn't hold expectations on other people. I find that it's not a good thing to do. It's not a nice thing to do. (laughs) You should just, you know, why does everything have to be an interview? Why does everything have to be monetized? Why do I need to have genuine human interactions on camera with, with cameras with people? Why can't I just, you know, I've met you three minutes ago, maybe, yeah. and now we're already in this very precarious situation. <laughs> but we're doing this. And okay. I imagine is, you know, somebody who uh, whenever you were coming up, because I know that you do music and you do a lot of you probably spend a lot of time around creative people and the entertainment industry and different Mm -hmm. fields, right? Um, Whenever you were younger and a teenager, the access to technology that we have was probably a little bit different than it is now. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, before we introduce you, uh, maybe I should do that. Everybody, please make some noise. (laughs) Joe Hale's in the building. Thank you. (laughs) I just realized I was like, start to get in this, like some like real deep meta conversation. But like, you know, what is your view of like what the creative world is, like the life of an artist nowadays? Well, the life of the artist really isn't much different. As you were saying, the technology is, you know, sure. it's heaven, you know, compared to uh, you were saying about the technology differences. My first four track was uh, a little tiny cassette player that I would record onto and then onto a second cassette uh-huh. player but as far as artists being able to uh do it for a living you know or really uh, in that regard I, I don't know that much has changed because um you know there's there's still the same you know the same problems getting people there now it might be a little easier to you know before with us it was you know stapling flyers and you know calling people um you know even email has greatly improved you know that sure but uh i i think for people to make a couple of bucks yet yet alone to make a living it's it's probably just about as difficult if not more so cuz now more people can get the word out so there's more to um for people to go here here and see so it, it might even um in some regards be trickier now for for somebody to break in. I loved the um the like the stapling flyers to the light pole. Mm-hmm. Like if we use that as a metaphor, um the way that we promote music now, it's kind of like a light pole with infinite space. Yeah. <laughs> Prior to, you know, remember like oh, like there's already flyers on this light pole. So either you're going over someone else's mm. flyer or you're just looking for another light pole. Mm. But now everybody's on the same light pole and it's not just bands. You know, it's also, uh, I don't know, like Tommy Hilfiger yeah. and 
Coca-Cola and Subway sandwiches. It's mm. all advertising. It's all like bottlenecked in this one thing. You had so much to look at. You just get buried in the quagmire of stuff. Uh-huh. Yeah. It, and I think that it makes it really hard as an artist to feel as though um, you're, uh, I don't know, for as connected as everything is, I feel way more isolated in a lot of ways now than I did when I was um, like in my teenage years because like social media in the realm that it exists now for me wasn't really a thing until I was already out of high school. Mm -hmm. But I started doing music when I was like, you know, 13, 14 and making beats and trying to get little Mm -hmm. events together with my friends. And uh, it was still very much just like make flyers, burn CDs, Mm And just look for, you know, walk around the mall, look for somebody else that has like a cool t-shirt on. And Mm -hmm. that was all you had, you know? And then, so I pretty much, as I started to get into making music more and more seriously and more, I guess, air quote, professionally, Mm -hmm. whatever that means, uh, social media was like developing alongside me. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was really, really strange to try to like always like, adapt like every time i feel like i would get comfortable with the way something was going it's like well now there's instagram and then now there's this and that (laughs) it's like i just want to write songs Mm. you know that that's where i'm at and and if you can imagine (laughs) you know for for me you know i was born in 1965 so it's like for me i try to keep up with as much of the you know, social media things, but I'm definitely, <laughs> I, I, I just say F it, you know, because sure. you, you end up spending more time um, trying to figure that stuff out than actually creating, you know, and that's one advantage that I have now uh, at my age is I still love it and I'm approaching it um, not much different than I did. I, I'm not, I'm approaching it for fame, but I'm approaching it that I want to create the best stuff that I can do. Yeah. And I want to try to help some you know, other people, you know, in in that process. But, you know, you guys that are really trying to, you know, uh, pay your rent with it or whatever, uh, I, you know, I can really uh, empathize and sympathize with that because it's, you know, and, and just because you put the time in, there's no guarantee that, you know, people are going to latch on to it. It's, it's, it, and that's where I get back to the point where I think it's as tough, if not more tough now to, you know, make your mark. Yeah, it's a little bit harder to find your... Well, I would say it's not necessarily harder to find, like, your community or if you want to get, like, gross business-speaky about it, your target demographic. <laughs> that, gives me, that, gives me the, that gives me the douche, douche chills, yeah, yeah. man. But, I mean, it, but it, that's what you have to do if yeah. you want to make some money or, or yeah. attempt to make some money. Uh-huh. It. And it's so hard because, like, I think that... Most people, even if they're engaging with you on social media, can tell if you are like a phony or not. Like mm-hmm. if you're genuinely trying to connect with people. And I think sometimes whenever your genuine intention is to just connect with people in like a, again, target demographic, yeah. uh, they might feel like they're being targeted and not necessarily like you're engaging with them (laughs) on a natural realm but there's so much that's going on like i said with the Mm -hmm. clothing brands and fast food chains and all that Mm -hmm. stuff that's all in their phone on their screen at the same time it's like i think that sometimes i catch myself personally unintentionally like targeting when i should just be like 
I don't know, just putting it out and yeah, like for you the guys best. dig me, come see this. Yeah, you know, <laughs> it's so it's so hard balancing all that stuff. But um, it you is. know, with you now as a you know still an active creative musician and human being on planet Earth in the year two thousand and twenty two, mm-hmm. going into two thousand twenty three. What is it you're doing with yourself creatively these days? Well, creatively, um, the guys that I've been playing with, in fact, the drummer, um, my drummer, Gary Berdowski, we've been playing together um, since 1982. So uh, our uh, creative cycle is we usually um, probably starting in, uh, you know, like August, September, we start working on a, a, a new album and it usually takes us about two years, but we air quotes have our summer t- summer tour every year (laughs) which consists of you know like deutschtown millvale you know some uh house parties we go to chicago to play a big block party you know for our friends but to me like every day like i I play for at least two, two to three hours every day and by play i mean try to learn new stuff on guitar try to write lyrics try to come up with new riffs new you know new sounds um so right now, with our air quote summer tour, we're um, supporting our album uh, called The Deep Now, which we finished um, last, well, it was released, I believe, last December. And we're just kind of trying to support that. And as you know, by the time you have it out and support it, you're pretty much sick of it already. <laughs> sure, sure. But we're uh, I have a bunch of ideas and hopefully, you know, um, we have a couple more shows coming up on the air quote summer tour and then we're going to, you know, get back to it. Um, you know, working on the next project. Yeah. The thing that I find fascinating, and this is something that like, I really don't want to harp on the fact that it's like, yes, you are an older human being than me. And, uh, but the thing that's interesting about this conversation is that with you being born in 1965, that's when you said you were born. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, to me is that, you're kind of one of the first people that I've been able to have a conversation with that I would consider like uh, a product of the first wave of pop culture. Whereas like people that were born, you know, in decades prior to you, the whole idea of things like, you know, like the Beatles or movies on TV, collectibles, Mm -hmm. like uh, art as like a true identity. I feel like that really didn't start to come up in the way that it is today until the 60s, right? So Mm -hmm. you're born into that. You're living through this. And now decades later, you're still doing this with the same amount of passion, if not maybe more than when you were younger, right? And there's always, that's always battling the stigma of like what is growing up, right? Mm -hmm. Air quote, growing up. And I find that like people of your generation and the couple before are really challenging the idea of what like the American concept of growing up is. And I'm curious if Mm -hmm. you have any thoughts or words to contribute to that concept. Well, my wife uh, says that I'm perpetually 14 years old, (laughs) if if that's any indication. Sure. No, I, I I agree. I think you know the the gen the Gen Xers that I'm part of. It just seems like they're, uh, you know, you're more into i the idea of you want to have fun. Um, you know, there's you know a lot of my friends at least are are, are creatives, and you know we grew up with the pop pop culture. You know, and you know I'm very into you know collectibles. I got a bunch of <laughs> Lord of the Rings stuff, and sure. I'm into art. I mean, you're and, wearing a Ding Dong Mystery Science Theater <laughs> yeah. T-shirt. <laughs> You know, and how I consider myself as a technologist artist, because I'm, you know, very in tune with um, at least uh, audio, video, 
technologies and I have been, you know, since I was a kid. But some advice that I can give to, you know, some younger younger people. And I, I went through a time, uh, you know, when I was in my 20s, like if I don't do something with this by the time I'm like 33, sure, I'm done. And And over the years, I've battled with that. But then, you know, you see artists like, you know, Neil Young, you know, Iron Maiden, people that are doing uh, different, different things, drive-by truckers. They're like guys in their 50s that probably really didn't get, even get a little famous till they were in their 40s, but they're creating like their best stuff as you get older. And it would only make sense that if you do something for, you know, five years, you're going to be better at it when you did it for 40 years, you know, totally. if you, if you, especially if you approach it in earnest, you know, and you love it, you know, and that's kind of, you know, where I come from. Yeah, I, I agree with you because now like I, um, I'll be turning 37 this year, you know, the such an old man, me, but I've gone through, you know, over the past decade of my life to sort of like, do I still want to be doing the kind of things that I do? Because arguably like I play in like heavy metal bands and I make hip hop music mm -hmm. and all this stuff that's very like, in a, in a sense, adolescent, mm -hmm. youth-driven culture type stuff, but I'm continuing to get older, right? But also, all of my peers are getting older too. Mm -hmm. We still like all of this stuff, so why yeah. should I feel bad about continuing? You shouldn't. <laughs> I know. I know I shouldn't, but it's still funny that there's like this like guilt put on your shoulders by like society. Well, for sure. And, and you can imagine for me, there are, you know, people in my peer group that are like, you know, we can't believe that you still do that. Or why would you be driving to Chicago to play this block party? And why would you, you know, work on this music for 20 hours a week when you're working a full-time job? You know, people do, there are people, uptight, uptight people, you know, that aren't creatives that can yeah. look at what, what we're doing as like a fool's errand, you know, but uh, luckily I don't really give a shit what anybody else <laughs> totally. thinks about it. So I love it and I continue to do it. Totally. I find that it's like really hard to, um, for people to kind of understand the mentality when they don't have their own thing. And sometimes those people do have their own thing. You know, I remember like, uh, uh, having a similar conversation with somebody that was just like, why is this a focus of yours? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, you know, they're older than me. And I was just like, well, you're like really into hunting, right? And mm -hmm. they're like, yeah. And I'm like, this is my hunting. Mm -hmm. You know, you find like a hobby that like, you know, I actually make a little bit of money off of my hobby. Mm -hmm. And maybe every once in a while, maybe you enter some hunting competition. You make a little bit of money too, but you just enjoy mm -hmm. doing it. It's right. not really like there, you only need so much money for things to work. And on top of that, it's like how much success air quote do you really need? Mm -hmm. You know, I think that like for me reshaping my, uh, idea of what success is and what I need to actually like be happy. Like mm -hmm. that's the end goal. Like, do I want like genuine joy and happiness mm -hmm. in my environment? Or do I just always want to be this like need of like, I need more. I need to be more successful. I need yeah. more money for what? What yeah. do you really need? Well, it's good that you're coming to it a little <laughs> bit younger. You know, for for me over the years, you know, in fact, I had a, you know, probably in my, um, about your age, you know, and I was just like still going after it, you know, and then I'm just like, how to, I, I was equating my fame with, 
you know, there's this many people that come to see the band. I'm making this much money. I can pay my rent with money I made doing this thing. And I went into, you know, a little slump. And I was like the, the like a low point in my life when I wasn't really engaged in the creative process and even find myself in kind of in a depressive hole. And then when I came out of it, it was music and creativity that, you know, brought me out of it. And ultimately, you know, we're all looking for happiness and things to occupy your mind to th- keep you from thinking about, oh, I'm going to be dead in that X amount of years or whatever. Sure, absolutely. And, if you, and it's a pretty shitty life if you sit there dwelling on like how much time you have, you know, instead of getting out there and, and doing yeah. it. And, and for me, uh, the creative process is, and if, and if it were nothing else, and I believe it is more than this, but I get t- together um, like every Friday with guys that I love, you know, making music, drinking a few beers. I mean, and uh, even if there was no end product, if it, the if it was only getting together with those guys, I mean, it's it's just uh, a really good way to um, spend your life. That camaraderie, and especially when you're creating stuff, I yeah. find that it's it's a, a you know a closeness that's you know not much different than having a relationship with a, a partner, or a, oh, a spouse. You know, because when you you're birthing these <laughs> cre- you know creative things, you yeah, know, they're all all little children. <laughs> they're all little children. Yeah, I over the past few years have really started to. Um, become way more thankful, not that I ever wasn't not thankful, but become way more thankful of just being able to have good people in my life that are good hangs and that Mm. I can create stuff with. Because like, as you get older, I mean, it's harder to like make genuine connections with people. For sure. And if I, I say, I can't even imagine how like somebody that is, doesn't have some sort of an outlet, whether it is like drawing or painting Mm -hmm. or, art or hunting or mm-hmm. golfing or whatever, right. you know And I mean? What, what, it doesn't matter what it is, mm-hmm. but like there's a lot of people that don't have those things and then they become super duper isolated as they get old. And like, and I, have, I have a huge fear of that. <laughs> yeah. I really, really do. Like that seems horrifying. Mm-hmm. So it's like a big part of the reason why, like I continue to do the things that I do and things like this podcast and the bands and all that mm-hmm. stuff is like, I love making music, but I really don't, care like what happens with it like i wanted to do good i want to make the best songs that i can Mm -hmm. i want to make the best podcasts that i can and curate the best conversations that are Mm -hmm. possible but really for me it's like the moment like now just having this conversation with you and with whoever else is here the next time i do this because it's just like i don't know this kind of stuff like makes me feel alive makes me feel like i'm part of something way bigger Mm -hmm. than myself you know and uh i always wanted to just like when I started doing art and music as like a kid, it was because like, I didn't know I didn't like have any friends Mm -hmm. right in school. So I just hang out and play video games and draw and, (laughs) you know, listen to nine inch nails and write angry songs. My mom finds the lyrics and she's like, what the fuck is this? I'm just like, (laughs) Brian's in trouble. (laughs) Yeah. 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 That kind of shit. Right. Uh, but you know, over time it's like, I just want to meet the other weirdos, Mm -hmm. the other art freaks, you know? And then over time I found them, but then it's real easy once you find them to like, take it for granted. If you're not careful. Indeed. I I've been there. And now that I'm older, you know, and you kind of come and come and go with some folks and, the older I get, the more I do appreciate that. Because, and the older you get, the people that want to create and hang, um, 
it it diminishes. And, you know, when you get uh, to be my age, not that I'm like super old, but I've had friends who have passed away. So you start just sure. through, through death, you start losing some of those good people that were good hangs and good, you know, good creatives. You yeah. Know? It's really interesting. You know, uh, for me, like, you know, I've also like, unfortunately, I, there's people that I've known that have passed away and like in a less dramatic way. Mm-hmm. I've also had people that like have, uh, moved away or people that have started families and decided that, you know, the creative thing just wasn't for them. So Mm -hmm. you lose people in all these different ways throughout the years. And it's just like, shit, I wish that we would have been able to spend more time together Mm -hmm. in one way or another. But, you know, I wish nothing but the best for anybody, you know, ultimately they make their own decisions. It's crazy about though, because I had um, kids young, you know, I have uh, three daughters um, and I've watched a lot of my friends, the same thing. They, well, we have kids, so now we got to not be involved in this. But the tack that I took was I included my kids <laughs> in it. And uh, as you know, my daughter, Anna, who goes by Swamp Walk, yes. you know, and she definitely was around music and musicians and creativity. And uh, all, all three of my girls are creative, but uh, Anna's out there, you know, really doing it. She um, has been you know, making music since she was probably like six years old. Yeah, no, it's awesome. And that's the thing is like, I think that if you really give a shit, you can find a way to make it happen, whether you include your children or your family or not. You know, Mm -hmm. like I play in a band with multiple people that have kids and all this stuff. And it's not an issue, you know, Mm -hmm. like things come up. Sometimes it's like, hey, can't have practice this week because somebody's sick or I got to take care of this or that. And it's okay. Have to go to the school play or yeah, whatever. Yeah, sure. <laughs> you know, it stuff comes up and it's mm. fine. It's just, you know, and it's okay because ultimately I think for us, it's about just like friendship first and being there for each other. Mm. And then whatever fun music comes out of it, mm-hmm. that's kind of just like a side effect. For it's sure. like, you know, I think that sometimes you can get it backwards where it's like, Music is the number one goal, and maybe a good friendship is a side effect, and it has yeah, to be the other for way. For sure. And, and I've, I've yeah. drifted. You know, sometimes <laughs> you get caught up in, like, this has to be this way, and I wanted people to hear it this way, you know. Totally, totally. Uh, but I agree, and I've uh, erred on that <laughs> myself. And then you have people that, you know, you, it creates uh, – you know, negative energy there with those folks. So you kind of, kind of, you want it to be as good as it can be, but you, like you said, definitely you want to uh, nurture those friendships, you know? Yeah, it's hard. I mean, like, at least for like a lot of the music that I do, and I don't think this is necessarily particularly unique to heavy metal kids, mm-hmm. but they're not the most extroverted types when they're growing up. So I'm dealing with like, you know, a room full of adults that maybe weren't the most social Mm -hmm. in different times in their life. (laughs) And now we need to be open with each other and discuss like, well, Hey, I really don't like what's going on here. Are you okay as a person? Like, don't worry about the song. Are you doing okay today? (laughs) And like those things I've had to like work on throughout the years, Mm -hmm. which is like actually knowing how to talk to people in like a human way. Yeah. And then like, then that makes writing a song with them a lot easier. (laughs) If you could just like make sure everybody's okay. Like, Mm -hmm as a just on the base level like coming into stuff but again you know there's a lot of 
ego that comes into writing rock songs, which is good. You want it. What's mm-hmm. rock and roll without yeah. ego? But uh, it can be hard, you know, when you got like, you know, four or five people that are all creative. They're good mm-hmm. at what they do. That's why you like to make music with them. They all have an idea and you're like, oh, maybe your idea is not as good as mine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, you try to figure it out. Cause I, that's always uh, I, I, yeah, is tough because everybody... You know, and then you might have some other some folks in your band that maybe don't put as much time into it. So then, oh, yeah, which yeah. which may not that may not be a, a right thing. But I know myself. Sometimes I feel like I'm rowing the boat by myself. And then, sure. but uh, you do have to nurture that that and try not to be like, well, I did more than you. So sure, it's like <laughs> it's like either either nobody has a. Uh, anything to contribute or all of a sudden one day everybody's like i got ideas and like you kind of got used to rowing the boat by yourself and you're like okay fine and then yeah it's it's a fun juggle um but at the end of the day it's like well everybody just wants to make a Mm -hmm. good song right and uh what's any sort of relationship whether it is uh, a personal relationship or a romantic relationship or a business relationship or a creative relationship Mm -hmm. without compromise Compromise yeah. makes the world go around. Well, that's how you keep it together. If there's no <laughs> compromise, you don't have yeah. a band because, uh-huh. you know, like you said, all the egos, it's just uh, you, you know, have to choose your battles wisely. Sure. <laughs> compromise is uh, what is a duct tape for human emotion <laughs> yeah, or something. There's sure. some sort of a, there's some sort of a t-shirt waiting to happen there. I'm not too sure. I'll have to figure yeah. that one out. Going back to something you said, I was just been thinking about it a little bit. Is like, and the older I get, you find less people that can hang in like a like a cool a cool sure. or not even cool an authentic way, you know. Like, mm. uh, and you know, the older I get, you know, you really know those. You can identify the people pretty quickly <laughs> who you can you know, hang with. In fact, I always say the art of the hang, you know, and, and my wife gives me a hard time because I'm like, I, I know how to hang. <laughs> <laughs> and she may be mad that I tell her that she doesn't know how to hang. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, I think that it's really important to like know yourself and like understand like, maybe it's not necessarily a conversation of boundaries, but just knowing like the type of people that you vibe with, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I think there was a long time, like when I was a teenager and even through my twenties where like, I just wanted to be accepted by any group really, mm-hmm. you know, I just wanted to be a part of everything so I could have more opportunity just to like meet people. Mm-hmm. But then over time I started to realize like, I don't actually like some of these people yeah. and it's nothing against them. It's just not my energy and it's mm-hmm. kind of like uh like really just like fucking up my mental environment <laughs> yeah. honestly being around these people that like don't really care about me mm-hmm. but now i can like you know meet somebody and chat with them for maybe like a minute or two mm-hmm. and i could tell like this ain't it yeah <laughs> <laughs> like i respect you as a human being and i'm sure. sure that you know you're a nice person but it's just like you know i have my own particular quirks and things mm-hmm. that i like and i can just tell that this ain't gonna be it but, yeah, you know, for sure. You know, good luck yeah. out there. <laughs> With, you know, uh, so growing up through, you know, the basically the 70s, we would say, into mm-hmm. the 80s, uh, through the 90s, I mean, you've all of this time that you've been alive on planet Earth mm-hmm. here, uh, not only has pop culture, as I mentioned before, really, you know, solidified into mm-hmm. this thing where now you see a lot of like, recycled trends and 
nostalgia candy and all the stuff that comes through, you know? Mm. Uh, is there been anything that has like really like surprised you in the realm of like pop culture? Like, <laughs> do you know, like, 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 why is this a thing? Or like, I didn't expect this to happen. I mean, like things have gotten so crazy to some degree. Like they, like the extremes have really been pushed in a lot of weird directions. Uh, it's, it's funny. And I'll, I'll, I'll go back. But the, the first thing I watched this, the Andy Warhol <laughs> documentary on uh, Netflix and he had a Polaroid and, and took like a, a billion like dick pics. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so that was something that was like, wow, that's, you know, that was like before Andy Warhol, you know, he, he like pioneered the dick, <laughs> the dick pic. <laughs> you know, that was just something funny that, you know, when you said something that like really, really shocked you, um, I don't, it, it's, it it all is not shocking or not shocking. I mean, I I was uh, you know thirteen in the in seventy nine. So I was you know I like you said I got to taste the seventies and the eighties was my was my era. You know the the whole hair. Met, I mean I liked like um, Judas Priest and Scorpions and uh, you know early Def Leppard. Uh, Judas Priest. I, I liked a lot of that. I mean, there were a couple of hair metal things that I uh, liked, but it's it just like that whole hair metal thing, you know, the whole glam rock sure. kind of thing. That was, you know, that's kind of surprising. Sure. You're, I, I cannot possibly imagine being a teenager going into, you know, my late teens into guitar music and like not being like, whoa. Yeah. When all that stuff's around, and, and yes, when I was a skinnier lad, I you know I went through the spandex and the eyeshadow Hell yeah. you know, era in the Hell yeah. when we were playing in the um, you know early eighties there. Yeah, you know? but I, I definitely more identify. And when when grunge came, because I was a big Sabbath head too, you know, and I I just you know the whole grunge scene, you know, the Soundgarden and um, Alice in Chains, uh, Nirvana, you know, I kind of. Uh, and I still, if we cover some songs, it's usually like 90s <laughs> centric sure. stuff. You know, I really identified with the arena rock, you know, Zeppelin and Sab, you know, Sabbath and, and then the, uh, the 90s stuff, the heavier 90s stuff. I really, uh, you know, that dug yeah. that. I know that there was kind of, cause whenever, you know, Nirvana, Alice in Chains, whenever all that stuff is coming into fruition, um, you know, I'm like, maybe like, you know, I'm like five, six, seven years old and like, you know, quick background. My parents were really young when they had me, you know? So like when all of that stuff was coming out, like, you know, my dad was in his early twenties. So mm -hmm. he liked Megadeth and Iron Maiden, but mm -hmm. also like, you know, White Zombie and Smashing Pumpkins, mm -hmm. basically anything like 90s alternative rock yeah. he was into. So I grew up with all that stuff. And that was awesome and, then. <laughs> and, oh yeah, I, I, I loved all that stuff, but it was really cool because like my dad was the type of person that would listen to, you know, Judas Priest and Nirvana. It didn't matter, mm -hmm. right? But also there's kind of been this narrative that like, you know, uh, grunge was a big pushback against like, their hair metal sort of bands because I guess in terms of pop culture, mm -hmm. it just kind of worn itself out. But it was, I never felt like those worlds were all that different to me outside of the aesthetic is somebody, you know, who was in it mm -hmm. as well, but 
just a little bit older. Uh, what did you feel like? Oh, I'm fucking sick of this hair metal stuff. Or yeah, was it? I was kind of there when, it, when there was like Trickster and yeah, I guess you know, not to some slam of the, any of these guys. Yeah, sure, some they of the were doing bands, their best. Sure, some of the bands. I guess it got a little. Um, you know what we could say about it. They were targeting a demographic. They were targeting a demographic. <laughs> and I, I was kind of over that. And then, you know, some of my friends like, oh, yeah, you, you know, we're in that spandex and just giving you shit about, totally, totally. you know, the, the more femme aspect of the, yeah. you know, of, of the, the genre. But uh, it, it was, um, the 80s were crazy. <laughs> sure. Sure. There was a lot of decadence, and and we we're talking decadence. about decadence. <laughs> what a word to use. But one thing that sucked about the '80s, which you guys and I haven't seen, uh, when you played, you needed to bring a huge PA in production because oh, yeah. if you would come in with two speakers on stands, like people would be, wouldn't take you seriously. We're lugging around the you know the Marshall stacks, and we had probably. Thirty thousand dollars worth of PA and light, and thirty thousand bucks worth of, you know, we had a pr- pretty big uh, loan out for that stuff, and we're going anywhere you would play. You could play in a room this size, and you're going to bring in this, you know, eight PA yeah, cabinets. It has to look. <laughs> it has like to a look, certain part. It has yeah. to look like a certain thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I totally get it. And I, I was glad when that, <laughs> you know, okay, this stuff sounds good and it's small. Okay, uh-huh. you know, and people aren't like, well, these guys must suck because they're not bringing in, you know, this wall of (laughs) building worth of PA and amps, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could definitely see and understand and empathize with that. And when you're your own roadie, too. (laughs) Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there was, it seems like there was a unnecessary level of excess. Yes. Throughout the 80s that I, I suppose that I'm glad isn't a big thing. One of the things that I miss now, and I actually talk about this a lot on the podcast in regards to like whatever you want to consider rock music, because rock music today is a lot different Mm -hmm. than, you know, rock music of the past. There's plenty of bands that barely have guitar in their Mm -hmm. songs, and it could be considered rock music to the teens of today. That's fine. I Mm -hmm. don't care. Call anything that you want to. Uh, but one thing that I really miss about rock music is that lack of like ego and attitude and mm-hmm. just sort of like not necessarily $30,000 worth of unnecessary stage equipment production, but just like I still like, even though I don't necessarily miss spandex, I like like, oh, we look like a band. There's mm-hmm. some sort of like extremely uh, over-the-top production sort of thing happening, and we have attitude, and we're just giving a show. And, that and one, really two, s- three, kick. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't really <laughs> seem like as much of a thing now. Um, that's like one of the things that kind of like bums me out about a lot of the grunge stuff is like, well, these songs are great, mm-hmm. but I, I liked, I don't know, I guess some of those bands still had their own attitude, but it mm-hmm. like over time, it really kind of, I don't know, it seemed like the years just took a Brillo pad to rock music and just really smoothed everything out. And uh, now I'm like, I don't know. I have a really hard time like enjoying new rock music, but Mm -hmm. is that just me? Like, am I going to be like the old curmudgeon type that I hated when I was a teenager? It's probably a little bit. Is it turning into that? (laughs) Cause I, I mean, do you resonate with any young, young people music? I, That that's not uh, yes. It, w- yeah. it would be now. You're gonna ask me to, <laughs> no. to name. Someone. No, I'm not going to at all. 
I'm not going to do it. No, I try not to be a curmudgeon, but I think just, you know, as you said, as being a, a, a engaged, earnest hum, human being that, you know, you've lived through things and you create, build a fondness to things. And then when you run into something that's not that, and you see all these other, you know, these younger people that are, you know, uh, bonded to it and they love it. And you're like, I don't get this. You know? <laughs> totally. Yeah. I think that it's just, uh, I think it's natural for uh, styles and tastes to change throughout the decades. And I'm not going to give anybody uh, shit for mm. what they like. You like what you like. You know, there's a lot of stuff that I genuinely love that, is probably objectively bad if mm-hmm. there was some sort of a definitive scale for what good or bad music is, which I don't think there is. But if mm-hmm. there was, I'd, a lot of the music I like would probably end up being bad, according <laughs> to like scholars or whatever, yeah. right? Um, you know, but it's just like, you know, is this music making you feel the same way my music made me feel mm-hmm. when I was a kid? It, it is? Okay, cool. I try to take it that way too, because I'm thinking if these kids are, you know, it's making them feel how I felt and I, I, you know, that's why I don't, uh, I mean, there's some things that I may judge a little harsher than sure, others, sure. that it's, it's just, you know, you're like, oh, this is terrible. Yeah, but. it's like a, I don't know, it's like a, it's like a, a, a food menu at a restaurant, you know, it's like, you like the spaghetti, I like the cheeseburgers, mm-hmm. you know, the fact that you're eating that spaghetti, I don't care, it's on the menu, and you're eating it, it has no effect on me. Exactly. I might have to look at you eating the spaghetti, and I might be like, I don't understand why they like that spaghetti, but ultimately, you're full, I'm full, and we're <laughs> happy, right? So, that's it. For the record, I do like cheeseburgers and spaghetti. Okay. Just saying. I don't, really have, a, I don't really have a beef against spaghetti. <laughs> I like everything. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I guess, yeah, to some degree, I, I can find um, with like art and creativity, if I find that there's like a genuine intention behind mm-hmm. it's, uh, what's the word? If there's a in- genuine intention behind why it is being made, mm-hmm. cool great yeah do it i agree do it up and i I think to me uh you know we were talking about um marketing and you know demographics and things it's like it it seems to me like you'll you tend to find um more earnest uh work you know with you know local bands (laughs) you know less uh something with less money behind it maybe it's very similar in a way to um i mean because with a lot of we'll just say like signed bands or bands that have managers and pr teams and Mm -hmm. producers um it's not always their voice 100 it may be marketed as their voice but Mm -hmm. it isn't their voice and where when you have a local band you're kind of getting like a really unfiltered view of that person's mind because it hasn't been distilled through X, Y, and Z of whatever mm-hmm. the machine may be, you know? It's very similar to, like, uh, a drawing that, like, a five-year-old does, and you're like, what is this? It's like there's... They have no real understanding of, like, proper technique mm-hmm. or what they're trying to do, but, you know, they're going to still try to draw a train anyways. Mm-hmm. And, like, I find it sometimes a lot more fascinating to look at that yeah. and, like, the intention behind it 
why they did it mm-hmm. versus somebody that has all of the resources and knowledge in the world. It's like almost not even interesting to see like, yeah. oh, this painting that's super photorealistic and looks exactly like this thing. Wow. Um, okay. There are a lot of talent went into <laughs> yeah. this and stuff like that, but ultimately like you just recreated something that mm. I don't, I'm not, I don't have to think at all about this. Yeah. And sometimes with like young art and like undistilled on, un- uh, we'll just call it like underground art. You know, mm-hmm. you get just more of like a genuine human, uh, a receipt of human intention. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of the times that stuff hasn't been uh, targeted. It's, using that word again, it's pure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I dig, I dig like the purity of it. And even even um, this year, the the folks that did the Melville Fest, they made a. A playlist of all the bands and it was you know it was whatever 70 hours long or whatever it was a, a ton of stuff but i i find myself um i have a two an hour each way commute from work each day and i listened to the hell out of that thing for the better part of a month and man there's like so much good music like in in this uh you know pittsburgh proper uh area you know so many th- you know stuff that you know had i not listened to that playlist i would have never uh heard any of it you know there's a lot of really really good things and we we're talking about um you know the scene and making it or making your mark uh one thing that i love about how it is now is you're almost expected to play original music not that there oh, aren't still totally. a ton of cover bands but when i was coming up you know other than like donny iris or the silencers or house rockers or somebody that you know already had cachet like you couldn't get a gig playing ori- original music anywhere, you know. And now it's almost like if you're a cover band, you know, like the festivals are like it's originals only, which I love, you know. Yeah, that is um, something that I have thought about from time to time because, um, you know, I've spoke with other people that were playing in bands through the like you know the 80s and the 90s before, and they always talk about like oh like we got started playing covers and mm-hmm. then just started sneaking in some originals here and there. And it's just like, what? Like, I never even would consider that, but I just come from a different generation. And if you had a play, you know, when you did get those gigs, they were like, they wanted you to play for three hours. You play like three one hour sets. And if you snuck like three originals in there, you were probably pushing your luck. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. yeah. It's it's definitely um I, I definitely think the Pittsburgh scene is, is is you know much better now as far as from a creative sense. Like I said, it's still hard to make any money or uh, you know really keep something together. You know when you're not getting famous or making you know making a lot of money doing it. Yeah, with you know the time that you've spent just being not only a. Uh, a curator and creator of music and learning. Um, you're still, I imagine, a sponge to some degree because you are inter- interfacing with new music all the time, like mm-hmm. you just mentioned, listening to that playlist. Is there anything like over the years that you've kind of surprised yourself by getting into, whether it is creatively or just like personally listening to? I mean, even, you know, when I was, I consider myself a hard rock metal head, would have been how I came up too um but lately like i've been trying to learn some more like jazz stuff like country chicken picking just anything that i can't do on the guitar sure, like yeah i, I see see or hear somebody doing it and i was like i, I want to learn how to do that and now 
which is amazing. I, you go to YouTube and, you know, what you would have spent tens of thousands of dollars on to have access to, be it through lessons or books or videos or whatever, it's all there. So you can really, there's no excuse to not be able to do anything that sure. you want to or do. Or at least to not try it. To not try it, exactly. Yeah, yeah it's really interesting how um, the, when you're a musician, we'll stick it with this specifically music. Mm-hmm. As you get into it and you want to continue to learn and develop your skill set, how like challenging your technical abilities can unintentionally get you into different styles of music or introduce you into different things. I remember like being at like a bluegrass night one time. This was years ago. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, bluegrass is bluegrass. I don't care about this. I mean, it's a thing that exists, but I'm hanging out with some friends and Mm -hmm. drinking and I'm watching these fucking guys play and I'm like, they're shredding way harder than half of the metal yeah, bands I've exactly. ever seen in my life. <laughs> I am here for it, you know, just like loving it, just getting in. I was like, they have the strongest fingers I've ever mm. seen in my life. It's so intense. Yeah. Really cool. I felt when I, I worked at um, uh, iMark CBS for a while and my boss there, he was in a, he played upright bass in this bluegrass uh, band and every weekend he would go to these festivals and that's kind of the same scenario that you had. I went to support him and you know you camp for the weekend and you just watch you know forty of these bluegrass bands and then in the evenings they have these campfires where all these guys are sitting around a campfire and they're just killing Crushing. it. You know, like you're, <laughs> as far as like technical ability. You're like, oh my god, this guy can play the shit out of this. <laughs> yeah, you know the banjo and guitar. You know the, the mandolin. He's got people are just, you know, like Ingve Malmsteen. Totally, <laughs> totally. It's it's and it's so fun how like ultimately at its core, like the only thing that like separates like different genres of music really are just like uh like just the aesthetic and how it's mm-hmm. presented. But still, it's like music. All it is is a language. It's like mm. all of these bands are still operating in the same note and chord structure. That and it's not like mm. metal has some unique set of things that another genre of music doesn't. Right? It's just plug, a lot of it's the same. Plug it into the plug it <laughs> bluegrass into the, the the big tube amps and the uh, <laughs> yeah, and it would probably uh, have a similar result. Uh huh. It would probably rip. <laughs> You know, with um, the the heavy metal stuff, right? Uh, I'm curious on your take of like how extreme a lot of heavy metal stuff has gotten. Because, like, I mean, there was a time frame where it was like, oh wow, like I can't imagine in you know, like my dad. You know, we've talked about this of just like I can't imagine there being anything heavier than slayer right (laughs) and uh i mean there's a lot of stuff now that makes slayer seem like bluegrass to some degree for sure and i'm curious like what your threshold is in terms of like the extreme (laughs) the the stuff that like i would i mean i listen to you know to anything i think your band is awesome and uh uh, you guys must practice a ton because a lot of that stuff is pretty intricate to hit you know sure i wish we the, practiced more but i appreciate the compliment <laughs> but um you know like for me it was you know the heaviest the stuff that like blew my skirt up was you know like you know slayer uh megadeth you know metallica when metallica came out you're saying about stuff that uh changed things like my brother's um 
or like five, six years younger than me, and and that was like their sweet spot, you know, when when Metallica came out. I can't even fucking imagine. There's two things. Like, okay, so the time machines. If that was possible, I would want to. I would want to go back in time and see Van Halen mm-hmm. play some of their earliest shows, and then I would like to jump up a decade and see Metallica. Yeah, it's just what they did it's crazy and i think because there was nothing like it at the time it was so holy shit what is this yeah and like with like metallica specifically it's so interesting how they were really able to make extreme music technicality sonic intensity palatable Mm -hmm. to such a wide demographic for sure without being like targeting you know what i mean like it's just like there was nothing else like it so they weren't trying to emulate anything and they just naturally created this thing that like changed the, the landscape of music forever for sure really cool well speaking of metallica <laughs> okay <laughs> since we're talking about metallica I, people hate load and reload those two albums what do you think of the the load and reload i think that there's a really great album between both of those okay I think there's some really great songs on both of those records. There's also probably an equal amount of stuff that I could deal without. Yeah. But I think in the middle there, I really like, you know, songs like Until It Sleeps and King Nothing. Like, you know, a lot of like the hits from that era. I think they're really great rock songs. They might not be metal. Maybe that's... yeah. I don't fucking care yeah. about that. They're really they were, good there songs. Some good stuff on there. Really fucking and, cool songs. And you know, you're not going to compare that to the early records. I mean, but I like the fact that they change and evolve a little bit. I you mean, know? honestly, you know, I know that like through the time Metallica has leaned back into like their more kind of like thrashy, fast roots with their mm. more modern stuff. And that's fine. That's made the fans happy. But I would have loved to just see them progress and grow into becoming mm-hmm. like a really good rock band. And I mean, be- I don't need them to keep trying to write Master of Puppets again. Mm-hmm. That album, it's like you were young and full of alcohol and yeah. probably some other things. And you mm-hmm. just wrote this insane record. It ain't going to happen again. Right. But you could write some good rock songs. And people also seem to hate that uh, one that they did with Lou Reed. I thought there was some kind of interesting stuff with that. You know, I'm going to tell you this about that was Lulu, right? That's the name of that record. Uh, I remember I only listened to it once when it first came out. And I was I was not emotionally ready for this. And I haven't given it another listen since. I think that there was. I would only be interested in listening to it because that's a very artistically there's I think there's a, a genuine artistic intention behind that project. Mm-hmm. They weren't trying to capitalize or cash in or again target anything by recording a weird fucking rock record with Lou Reed. <laughs> Nobody asked for this. Exactly. But they decided to do it. So I would love to go back and listen to it. And I mean, I don't know if I would enjoy it um it's genuinely. Weird. It's but I think it's that it weird. would be worth interfacing but with. As a creative, you and that's where I took it from. I was like, boy, I like I'm not tapping my foot to this and I'm not gonna play it over and over again. But boy, this is pretty like weird, interesting in a super weird way. You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like uh that that would have uh, not been on my like like a bingo card or any no. sort of like <laughs> you would never think that that would happen. Yeah, and it yeah, but oh, so we were talking just about like 
the extremity of like where music has gone, especially in like metal and mm-hmm. like it's so funny because the genre always needs to outdo itself. Like I could play guitar crazier than you. I could play drums crazier than you. I can make my voice crazier than your voice. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it got wild. It got wild. Even I honestly have a threshold for intensity to a point mm-hmm. where it just feels like this is like gone beyond art. And now we're just trying to make, insanity for the sake of insanity we tend two steps lower than you on an eight string guitar <laughs> sure sure and sure, our sure. cookie monster voices you know, sure three sure. octaves lower than your cookie sure. monster voice <laughs> sure i mean some some of that stuff can be done really cool but mm. a lot of it just like burns me out you know and yeah. it's like i would much rather listen to probably like you know load era metallica mm-hmm. than some of this other stuff because yeah. like as i've gotten older i stopped caring so much about like the technicality of the performance and more just like the nuance of the songwriting is what's important to me. Like, I just want a good song. Like I don't care like what kind of like, I mean, nothing against people that, you know, are really into making like handmade sauces and rubs and Mm -hmm. things like that. But it's just like, and this is what I'm getting into is like burgers, right? Like I don't care. Like, what you did to this burger and what mm-hmm. kind of barbecue sauce is on it or like mm-hmm. where the, you know, it might be a really good burger, but sometimes like I just want a fucking burger and yeah. I just want to hear a good song. I don't, everything doesn't need to be fancy. No, I, I, if I, I if you interface with fancy stuff all the time, cause, and I could say this personally, cause I feel like there was a time in my life where it's like, I need everything to be like very artistically motivated and, mm-hmm. and everything needs to be cool and, technical and you know my like my prog phase mm-hmm. i guess we could call it right you know <laughs> uh which i think it's important to have like a knowledge and understand that stuff but now it's just like i just give me like a three and a half four minute song something simple i just rather listen to that yeah i'm with you and it was talking about um for me I, i'm always like trying to get better like technique wise but it, i think as i've grown as an artist i really try to play everything that serves the song i'm never like hey people will be blown away with this like eddie van halen type riff or whatever so i try to you know play and, and write things that go together you know it doesn't have to be um the fastest or a million notes you know i want it to serve the song you yeah yeah the thing that I've found a lot of that happens a lot, especially in like rock and metal um, in this chase to like impress with your songwriting, you'll have a lot of songwriters that write things that they can't really play. They can maybe get it once in a while, mm-hmm. or maybe they'll get it in the studio and then like you see it live and it doesn't like, it's not the same. Yeah. And it's like, you know, sometimes it's like you're, it, it's like, your eyes are bigger than your stomach in mm-hmm. a way with the, your songwriting. And uh, it's interesting, like trying to like catch people doing that and being in a creative environment with somebody. Yeah. It's like, I know what you're trying to do, <laughs> but you've been playing this over and over and over. And <laughs> I think that maybe we should just like scale it back to something that everybody can actually play and understand. Yeah. That's the other thing too. Like, fuck, like I've had like bass players that are like, uh, like, you know, they want to play all of the same intricate notes that, gu- that the guitar player is playing at the same time. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I guess, I mean, like, in a, you know, it, it sounds cool. But also, if you were just playing, like, the simpler version of that, it would sound exactly the same. Because everybody's turned up to fucking 13 right yeah. now. <laughs> and I feel like 
we're just like, it's like wasted effort. These are diminishing returns to some degree with like how much effort you want to put in versus like what is actually being um, digested by the person that's like listening to the song. Yeah. And then, you know, when I was telling you, when I was, uh, you know, checking out some of your videos, it's like, do you pull these? Can you play? Can everyone play? you know, in, in unison here or harmony, uh, 10 gigs in a row, or are you going to hit it? Yeah, totally. or, or did you hit it, you know, six gigs uh-huh. or three, you know, it, you know, sometimes, like you said, it's just, it's not repeatable, you know, it makes it hard to yeah. play, play stuff live. That's the thing that like, I mean, particularly like with Gray Walker, and I think that we've been really good about this. It's just like, play, like writing what we know we can play. And just being very open when we're writing songs and practicing with each other, just mm-hmm. like, I don't think you should do that because I don't think you can. Yeah. And just like, you know, and it's no like hard feelings. It's mm-hmm. just like, look, like we all want to make the best song possible, right? We all want to be able to play a show really good from start to finish, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So maybe there should be parts in these songs, even if it's not technical to look at. Think about this. It's a break for you yeah. for about 25 <laughs> seconds, you know? Just headbang a bit, play something simple, then we can go back into the craziness. Yeah. Dynamics. If it's crazy all the time, none of it's crazy. Right. You know, you got to surprise people. There's a, a quote that um, uh, Evan, our guitar player, has brought up. I think it was Evan, or maybe it was Joe. Somebody in my band brought this up. It was like Sting, I think, said it, mm. just talking about songwriting and how, like, every good song should have a surprise in it. And I think that that's something that like we really like embody a Mm -hmm. lot. It's just trying to like make sure that there's dynamics and you know, you can't just be like "Ah," all the time because again, like it's just like, if it's like that all the time, then it's just, it gets numbing I yeah, think, to the just, human mind. You and just like thinking, shut your brain off. Yeah. And it's like, again, like I, I think I try to think a lot too about going back to Metallica and like how they were able to like do this creative thing, but still make it like palatable. And mm-hmm. I definitely think we're probably a few degrees under the palatability of a Metallica, <laughs> but uh, still with like what we're doing, I still want it to be like enjoyable. Like mm-hmm. I want, like if we're playing at Millville Music Fest, I want there to be somebody that has like never really seen a metal band and they'll like enjoy watching us mm-hmm. because we're putting on a good show and it's <laughs> not like the, the, the most violent thing that they've heard. You know, I want it to be fun to some degree. <laughs> With some kind of volcano bubble or something. Sure. Conking them over the head. Sure. Sure. Absolutely. With, you know, uh, you, you know, continuing to play gigs and write songs and all of this stuff, you know, have you found yourself, I mean, you're still just kind of exist in this rock world, right? Yeah. Do you ever like, as a creative person, venture into other genres of music just for like personal sort of exploration i I, myself personally i have i haven't really written a ton of stuff because i've been mainly collaborating you know with the the guys that uh you know i'm working with but you know i often think of you know doing something you know more like dance oriented a little more electronic you know maybe, maybe do something that's a little more like hillbilly country okay you know um some you know, tuned to see uh-huh. <laughs> heavy stuff. You know? Totally, totally. And I have, I mess around with it, but I, you know, that might be a good challenge for me if you're <laughs> <laughs> saying you're just like kind of hanging out in the rock world. Um, and I, we often joke that we're going to do a dance album. <laughs> That's great. 
I've like the one thing that I've found's been like really awesome, like over the years of like um, being like active in different genres of music for me is like there's like ways that things relate. I find that like being active in those genres has made me like a stronger songwriter mm-hmm. for the other bands. Cause like I'll be like working on something with normal creatures. And then I realize I'm like, Oh, this is like a very parallel problem that we were having with something in gray Walker. Mm-hmm. And then just like taking what we learned from like a mistake in another project and applying it to this one. And then it'll happen on the flip and just like, I don't know. It all resonates, even though, um, they're very, they're, you know, my three bands are three very different styles mm-hmm. of music. Um, there's, it's still music. Yeah. Right. And it's still like, we're still just trying to write songs. And I think that the way that, you know, the general structure of what a song should be in the journey that a song is, I always think of them like roller coasters mm-hmm. and, you know, go up the hill and go down some fast parts, spin you around a bit, break in the middle, go back, you know, uh, and I don't know, just like being in those different styles of music has like just really, really helped me like think outside of the box of like what, um, what that genre needs to be, you know, like with like my mm-hmm. pop dancey goth stuff, it's like, I'm always bringing in like, how can we make this like heavier and more intense? And then like with Grey Walker, it's like, how can we just like scale it back a bit? And yeah. then, you know, it's, it's fun just, just cause my brain's always like firing all over the place. When you, um, write your lyrics like what's kind of your process because I, I know for me um, I've always been like a lyrics person and and that's one thing that I really strive to become better um, to tell a better story and yeah. I think I have over the years um, like what's your process like what how do you uh, what's your storytelling approach and how have you um, over the years um, changed or improved how to, in your approaches? These days, I have a really hard time writing lyrics unless I already have the music because I think I spent a lot of time just kind of like trying to like, I would just write lyrics about whatever, you know, I would just write to write, but it they anytime I would try to like just fit that to something, it never really like gelled in the right way because I'm a very big like. I try to think about like the rhythm and the cadence of the music and how the lyrics dance with it. So that's why I always want like the lyrics to be uh, not, 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 not like an afterthought, but like mm-hmm. I find that like the music is the most important thing. It's like, mm-hmm. what's the groove of this song that's going to lock people in. Then I need the vocals to tie in to the groove of that. Mm-hmm. And then from there, how do I make this rhythm or this melody or this idea that matches with the music how do I tell a story from there? Yeah. So it's kind of weird. I'm almost like sometimes like I will put together like, oh, okay, well, like I like, I know I want this many syllables in this sort of a pattern. Like I'm like really thinking about it very mathematically, uh-huh. you know, to like lock it into this rhythm. Mm-hmm. And then like, what could this song be about? I don't know. Sometimes it's like what I like maybe will like, okay, well, the hook is crucial the hook's what the whole song's gonna be about so let me try to figure out what the hook of this song is gonna be before i write the verse Mm -hmm. but that's not every song every song is different because there's times where i just have something that i've wrote months ago that happens to fit perfectly with a song so it's different all the time do you ever have uh because this happens to me fairly frequently like that you're almost like channeling these lyrics like you didn't even really think about them they just kind of Oh, C- came through. We we have a song on this uh, latest record. It's called Pittsburgh to Valinor, and you know, in a beer fueled 
you know, right? You know, just we just basically jam, start jamming when we're writing. And this song, I wrote pretty much the whole song was jammed from front to back in the lyrics. I changed maybe a couple of words, yeah. but it's, you know, like a six minute song with a fair amount of lyrics in it. That totally. Just, I, they were all there and I didn't think of that shit. It just like kind of yeah. came through me. I remember one, one time, this was when the beehive was still open in the South side. Mm-hmm. I remember I went in there to sit down and write one day and um, I was in there for maybe I don't know, maybe two, three hours at most. Mm-hmm. Um, I had sat down with nothing. And then when I had left there, I had um, made an entire beat on my laptop, a structured an entire song mm-hmm. and wrote pretty much all of the lyrics to that song in this very short amount of time. And like that had never happened on that scale mm-hmm. that fast before. Like I had no, nothing. There was just sat down, Got my coffee, zoned in, and it just fucking happened. And that—that's when you say like, "That's that's pure fucking magic." Yeah, like, like uh, it was. You really know, and there's cool. nothing better than that because it was really. You cool. just feel, you know, for me when that happens, it's like I am I am a creative person, or I have a muse that's like pushing this yeah. stuff through me. Yeah, and you know, there's been other. I mean, that's like the most dramatic example for me personally. Mm-hmm. But I've had other situations where like. You know, I have like this rhythm structure down of what how I want this verse to be because it's like, like I mentioned that mm-hmm. way that I approach music now, um, but I just cannot find the words and like I'll spend weeks just trying to get like two lines written. Yeah, I've and then there will be there will be other times where I just like sit down to start it, and then next thing you know, I'm like writing way too much. I don't mm-hmm. know. It's I it's I don't I can't control it. I just try to um, usually when I do write. I, it's not. I'm not forcing myself to write. Um, it's usually I write in public a lot, mm-hmm. which is kind of weird. I don't uh, ever seem to like just like be upstairs or like oh I'm gonna work on stuff now while mm-hmm. I'm home by myself. If I'm like home by myself, I'm probably like doing laundry or dishes or something. Yeah. I don't know why I have this like need to like go out, even though I have a home where I can make coffee and I can have a beer. I don't got to go to a fucking bar yeah. or a coffee shop. I don't know. There's just something about like being like surrounded by like a lot of things that are out of my control mm-hmm. that helps me focus more. I don't, mm-hmm. I have no idea what that is. That's cool. Do you um ever like, cause I'm horrible at this, but you hear of a lot of creative people that uh, like I sit down to write like three hours every day or <laughs> No, no, no. I don't schedule anything. Um, outside of like, you know, I tell myself like like Sundays is kind of like a podcast day for me, mm-hmm. you know. And then Monday is my genuine adult day. Laundry, bills, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. <laughs> Tuesday I've practiced with some faith. Wednesday I've practiced Grey Walker. Thursday I've practiced with normal creatures. And then in a perfect world, Friday and Saturday I have gigs, mm-hmm. and that's my week. Rinse, wash, repeat. Yeah. Now. Do I exclusively only do things for those bands on those days? No, it does bleed over. But uh-huh. that's the gener- that's the genuine structure. But um, you know, as far as like, oh, I'm gonna sit down and write for this project today because I told myself I have to. No, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. I always have a list that's way too long of things that's impossible for anybody to get done in a day, mm-hmm. and I just interface with like that's genuinely what I feel like doing today. Yeah. That's kind of how I do it too. But I I just was curious because sometimes I feel guilty. Like in the last few months, I I don't think that I, because we've been practicing and playing some shows 
And then I'm like, I'm kind of neglecting the process, you yeah, know? I mean, like every once in a while, I think it's good. Uh, a little bit of a little bit of guilt and accountability is probably good mm-hmm. <laughs> for your creativity every once in yeah. a while. But it can't be the only way that you engage mm-hmm. with that sort of stuff. Yeah. I mean, there's been times where it's like, oh, like, you know, we have Grey Walker practice tomorrow and we got this new song. And I keep saying that I was going to have lyrics for practice, mm-hmm. but I don't. Let me at least get something together. Yeah. You kind of have to push yourself because like. I'm, you know, somebody that's into all of the nonsense that I am. I'm a very easily distracted mm-hmm. person. Like, oh, that's on Netflix now? Same. Or, oh, <laughs> you know, that there's a that food truck's at that brewery tonight. Yeah. I haven't had it in forever, you <laughs> yeah. know? So I get distracted yeah. real easily. So you, sometimes you do kind of have to be like, all right, sit down, get some work done. Yeah. But for the most part, most of the art that I do, um, I don't have any uh there's no real accountability for other people or large things mm-hmm. you know we're all we're all just independent bands doing our thing yeah. we got you know make sure we're ready for the gig if we're going to the studio make sure we're ready for the studio but just just let it coast yeah hey I'm, i know i'm hitting you with some questions <laughs> okay i'm just curious like you do that djing like all over the country yes like, how yes to- how the hell did you get into that? Well, I mean, it was a happy <laughs> accident. Like anything else that uh, happens in the world, like uh, what you, th- your expectations. Uh, how do I, how do I word this? There's a sh- I was like shocked that there's like a shitload of people in those things. I was like, holy shit, Sykes, man. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, really, I mean, I guess the, the simple answer to your question is just like I had been DJing for a long time, just doing parties in Pittsburgh, and um, they done they had done well. Um, this was all before pandemic stuff, mm-hmm. right? And they they did well, and I enjoyed doing it. And um, once we were, once places started opening back up, uh, a friend of mine had reached out to me uh, with the idea for the, that Taylor party, and. Uh, we were just going to do like some nights in Pittsburgh Mm -hmm. and uh, we did and it did well. And then we tried it out in another city because we had some connections in another city did well. And then they were like, Hey, you should try it at this place. Mm -hmm. And it it just, next thing you know, you know, three, four months later, we're like, what is happening? That's (laughs) good for you. I was happy to see that, man. When you see somebody, you know, when you have that many, uh, people in a place doing one thing, you know, you're doing something good. Yeah, you know? no, it, it's been really, really cool. Um, I really enjoy hosting those events. Um, we got a bunch more coming up. We're going to be starting some other parties as well. Um, it's been fun. It's been really cool. It's a cool opportunity. It's not what I expected by mm-hmm. any means, but it's definitely, uh, it's interesting and it's, uh, yeah, it's cool. <laughs> It's cool. I mean, I just, I really don't know what to say about it other than that. It's no, just that's cool. Like, I was just curious because it's, a, it's a seemed wild, like a, a, oh, yeah. a, a slower build than what you, you know, I figured it would have been a slower build than what you just described. <laughs> no, no. We started the first night that we did was not even a year ago. It was in December of 2021. Um, yeah. It just, it just spiraled, mm-hmm. you know, and it really, um, it was honestly a bit of a distraction for a while. Like mm-hmm. I'm finally just kind of like getting back. Cause I, I didn't even do the podcast for like a more, a large chunk of this yeah. year. Cause all of a sudden it was like, 
you're not home anymore. <laughs> and I was like, oh, you know, and it, it was a huge distraction, not only for the podcast, but for the bands and mm-hmm. all of this other stuff. Um, kind of fucked up a lot of things. If I'm being completely honest yeah, with you, I get, I it was really, really did. Your, your uh, band <laughs> sees you out there with, you know, playing, you know, DJing in front of, you know, <laughs> hundreds of people, you know, or thousands. It looked like some of those look like a theater or whatever. Yep. And the band's like, well, come on, dude, put the energy. Why can't you yeah, get I mean, us? Yeah, I mean, the, 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 the bands haven't been as much of an issue as some other personal things, but yeah. uh, uh, that's just life, you know? Um, there was a lot of great stuff and a lot of not so great stuff that came out of it, but that's the thing. It's mm-hmm. just like back to that word that I brought up earlier, compromise. Mm-hmm. And uh, what are you willing to compromise? What are other people in your life willing to compromise right. in order for you to do this thing and mm-hmm. make this thing happen? And it was a crazy eye-opening experience in a lot of ways. Um, but hey, you know, it's, I'm living a very different life n- now mm-hmm. than I was a year ago. Like I haven't had that much change in my life happen in such a short amount of time. Uh, before mm-hmm. so it's kind of interesting just like thinking about like how do i interface with all of this in a healthy way right because it's been like like successful from a business perspective and successful financially to some degree and like how do i continue to do this but not like f- screw up fuck relationships up. Not, yeah. yeah not screw up relationships or like fuck up who i am as a person like because I could very easily, like, I'm still working a day job that I don't need to work Yeah. now. But, like, I worry about if I leave my day job and I have zero accountability for anything here, am I just going to be, like, going off the rails? Yeah. Am I going to fuck it all up? Because I have a very, um, I have that type of person. I like to have fun. Mm-hmm. But I, I need to have some sort of a thing, a base to be responsible for yeah. to keep me in check. You know, otherwise I might become like a real rock star (laughs) and I don't, I don't want that, but left unchecked, it could very easily happen. I'm glad you met with some success, you know? Yeah, I am too. I think it's cool. I I think I'm, I, I, I don't think it's a dumb, I mean, to some degree, it's not a dumb luck thing. I do think that I'm genuinely very good at what I do. I think we have a good product and I feel confident in saying that. (laughs) Uh, but it's interesting now just because it's like, it could still go away like that if I'm not careful. The entertainment industry is so fickle. Mm -hmm. So just trying to be very cautious and not take anything for granted and still remember Mm -hmm. that I still have friends and people in my life that mean a lot to me. And I don't want that to get away from me either. You do a ton of stuff, dude. It's inspirational, man. You know, because I, I look at the stuff you do online and I was like, man, this, this guy, he does a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It has been a lot um, mm. on the back end. It's been pretty exhausting just trying to figure out how to balance all of it. Mm. Honestly, you know, uh, with the Internet, you you get to kind of pick and choose and curate what you want to share with the world and what you mm-hmm. don't. And there's plenty of horrifying nightmares that <laughs> don't get shared with the world. Trust me. That's, that's fair. It's not all, it's not all fun and game and, uh, baked salmon yeah. <laughs> and whatever else, you yeah, know, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, for me, I know we're probably getting to the end of the road. Here. Totally. Totally. Um, as far as like 
playing music and keeping creative as you get older. And it, uh, it, you know, you're at a point in your life where you don't have a ton of extra time. I mean, I still work a full-time gig, but I'm getting closer to retirement, you know, and I, I just feel when I have, I joke around with people in my life, say, I've always wanted to be a professional musician. So when I retire, I'll be able to just dedicate (laughs) all my time to doing that, you know? Uh Um, and by professional musician, I mean, just putting out, uh, having time to really dedicate to it how I want to dedicate more time to it, you know? So I, I think as you get older, it's, it's a good thing to stay creative and you have more time uh, to be creative. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying my best to just um, not only like make sure I'm making time for like my art, but like honestly, more importantly is just making sure I'm making time for the other people mm-hmm. in my life because without those people, there's really no point in even making the art for real other than like, you know, it's like, I'm well past the point of like, Oh, it's fun to like have a recording equipment and make a song. You know, mm-hmm. I've been doing that for the, the past 20 years of my life. It's like, yeah. I mean, it's still exciting, but it's not like, Oh wow. Look what I can do anymore. It's just, it's just part a of release. what happens. Right. Yeah. It's just like, you know, now when I'm making music, it's like, I just can't wait to share this with people. And if I don't have anybody to share it with, there's no point. For sure. And I find to me, and this may have been true the whole way, um, the process is the funnest part. Oh, know? yeah, like yeah, yeah. The, the gigging is okay and, you know, doing the A, B, and C, but the the even finishing it is, isn't as satisfying to me as the process. Well, again, you know? that, that's the hang. You know, when you're working on the songs, when you're in the studio, you're experimenting, trying different things, all that stuff. That's like, that's all of the human elements of it. Mm -hmm. And I guess to some degree, performing live is a human element. I do enjoy it. There is a lot of nonsense that is sandwiched around playing Mm -hmm. a gig sometimes that is not my favorite. Yeah. Um, But I've said a lot that, you know, um, I have, you know, records that I love, but there's a lot of those records that I would probably trade if I could just have like unlimited behind the scenes footage of them making the record. Mm -hmm. Like I'd rather watch like, you know, uh, Iron Maiden in the studio recording peace of mind for hours Mm -hmm. than like listening to the record, which don't get me wrong. I, you're going to pry my copy of peace of mind from my cold, dead fucking hands. But, uh, yeah, I would just love to know more about, you know, the, the process behind why things were made, the intention. You're going to be, if you're a huge Iron Maiden fan, you're going to be jealous. I saw them on at the Stanley Theater on the Killers tour. That's fucking awesome. <laughs> that rules. And I saw Bon Scott with ACDC at uh, the Stanley yeah. Theater, Randy Rhodes with Ozzy at the Stanley. So, you know, being old does have some perks. And I saw Van Halen. <laughs> totally. Yeah, that fucking rules. You know, there's, there's some, I mean, I did get to see, you know, a version of Black Sabbath when I was mm-hmm. very young, when they were doing those like reunion shows. I saw them at the Civic Arena. Yeah. So that was cool. Um, I, luckily with my, um, like, my parents being young and my family, even though none of them really played music, they were Mm -hmm. into music and rock music. I was going to like rock shows when I was a kid. Like I saw, you know, the Rolling Stones very young. I got to see the cramps and Reverend Horton heat and all this wild stuff when I was like probably way too young. But, um, and that shit changes your brain. Oh, totally. I, I have some stuff like that that yeah, totally. just changed my brain. You yeah, know? yeah, it definitely changed my brain. But still, like, yeah, that's awesome. I would have, yeah. I would have loved to have seen Maiden with Paul Diano. That'd have been sick. Yeah, it was awesome. Um, but I mean, 
the fortunate thing about Iron Maiden is that they still play one of the best live shows and yeah, I saw them last time I, yeah. they were here. Mind blowing. Mind blowing. Yeah, <laughs> it's way. like, whoa. So cool. But uh oh man, before we get into yeah. another deep dive, <laughs> Joe, thank you for coming over, man. Thanks for having me, Brian. Definitely. There'll uh, I'll put like links to any of your creative endeavors that are awesome on the internet in the description. And uh it was a good chat. And I appreciate you keep doing what you do. Thanks. I got nothing else to do. I actually have a lot to do. <laughs> We're being completely honest. I have to drive to Zelianople. <laughs> no, but it's all good. This has been an episode of my podcast. Uh, there will be another one sometime in the future. That's my outro. Goodbye. <laughs> awesome. <laughs>